That is Falling Into You, the new studio version from Hillsong Young and Free that just came out this past week. If you're not familiar with Hillsong Young and Free, they single-handedly revived youth group music and brought techno to the church. But their music's great. I really enjoyed them. And welcome to the Church Media Drop podcast where we keep you in the loop of what's going on. It's not just here to, you know, talk about random music, but we're talking about all sorts of new things that are going on in the world of church media, production, technology, so that you can know what's going on and then get back to what you do best, which is creating, producing, and helping serve in your local church. I'm your host, Brad Zimmerman, and I am joined today by Joe Cavazos. Joe, you want to say hi? Hey, hi, guys. And as well, we're joined by Jason Watson. What's up, Jason? How's it going? Hey, now, uh, both you guys, uh, some a lot of people might not be familiar with you. Uh, Joe, do you want to give just a little quick uh, summary of what you do and, and how you interact with the church? I am a graphic artist, uh, independent graphic artist, so I've been freelancing for almost two and a half years now. Um, and most of the client work or most of the people I get to work with is either um, churches directly or companies that help churches with um, you know, uh, media and stuff like that. Yeah, so you've worked for uh, with like Igniter Media in the past. You currently are working with uh, Jonathan Malm on a social media project um, where people get new social media graphics and and imagery and stuff like that. You've done album art for bands and artists and all sorts of stuff, right? That's correct, man. Yeah, it's awesome. And your work is phenomenal. Um, definitely make sure you check that out. Jason, what about you, man? Um, I primarily do a lot of uh, animation, and I'd say probably about, I do a lot for churches as well as, kind of like Joe said, for uh, I also do stuff for places that provide media for churches, and do some illustration and graphic design here and there as well. Um, and that's pretty much what I do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, most recently, you can check out some of Jason's work uh, with, uh, he's partnered with Dan Stevers as Dan, um, you know, branches out and gets more collaborative work and is working with other designers and stuff like that. Um, what's the most recent, the title of the most recent video you did for him again? Uh, for Dan, I believe it was this kind of, uh, I don't actually remember the title. It was a small group kind of announcement or get excited about small groups pack, basically a series of three videos with some animated characters, just kind of little teasers for uh, small group announcements. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, it was fun. He's a great guy to work with. Well, let's uh, let's get into what's new. Um, and the biggest thing that's new for most people working in the church is the release of the newest edition of Adobe's Creative Cloud, the 2017 uh, Adobe Creative Cloud releases. Have you guys uh, checked out any of the uh, new things or did you go just watch any of the Max conference when it was happening? I, I wasn't able to watch most of the Max conference. I peeked in here and there a few times. Um, I did. I'm one of those people who does download the stuff like as soon as it comes out. Okay, you're <laughs> an early usually... <laughs> adopter. Like, who cares if stuff breaks? I want yeah. it now. Well, to be in. Well, I do actually always keep like the previous version and sometimes the previous previous version and the previous 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 version. <laughs> so, like right now on my dock, uh, I have like four versions of After Effects sitting next to each other and wow. like three versions of Illust- no two versions of Illustrator. Usually Illustrator and Photoshop I don't worry about too much, but 
because they're actually backwards compatible because adobe still hasn't figured out how to make after effects open file or like save files out that can be opened in a cs6 or a cs5 well although if you do like if you do have like four or five versions concurrently on your system you can actually save 2017 back to 2015 2015 back to 2014 2014 back to cc (laughs) and then cc back to cs6 and so if you really want to go back in time you can probably do it (laughs) so basically for anyone who's listening if you have that problem jason has just (laughs) offered to uh, do that for everyone for free so uh just you know email your files to just joking uh but i you know if i really do run into that problem i might have to give you a call joe are you using the creative cloud I am, but unlike Jason, I am the opposite of an early adopter. Uh, I usually wait. <laughs> I usually wait around to like uh, Jason tells me it's okay to jump in. So <laughs> uh, I, I wait to the last. I like. I was joking around with some guys uh, this week that I. I think I just updated to fifteen point. I don't even know the number three or five. Just their recent their update before this last one. So um, I'm kind of late in the game. Yeah. Well, this new update brings a lot of interesting stuff. And one thing that I know Joe uses, and I'm pretty sure Jason uses it as well, is uh, the Photoshop brushes from uh, Kyle Webster. Um, Kyle Webster has these amazing Photoshop brushes that um, mimic really well real world brushes. These aren't uh, most of the time when people think about Photoshop brushes, they think about like what Bitbox used to do back in the day where it was like, here's this like grungy texture and you like touch the screen with it and like it just does this one thing, but you don't really draw with it. It's more of like a stamp, I guess, is is more what those kind of brushes are like, are, are stamps. Yeah. And Kyle's brushes are more like a real brush where it has texture and movement and it can actually bleed onto the page as like a real brush would. And uh, both of you guys use these, correct? Yeah, I use them. Yeah, definitely. Pretty much whenever I see him release new brushes, I am uh, inclined to buy them immediately because they're all awesome. <laughs> yeah, and, and they are, they're great. How do you guys actually use them, though? So do you guys have uh, Wacom tablets or Wacom tablets, however you say that? Or what, what, what are you using to, like, get the full use out of those brushes? I, I just recently, well, I want to say I've always been a mouse guy uh, until I downloaded his brushes and I was like, these are cool, but I wasn't getting kind of the full use out of them. So that's why I got, I got into the Wacom tablet. Um, and once I switched to that, I'm like, wow, this is this is amazing. I don't know why I did. I waited so long to kind of try that out. But yeah, in combination with the the tablet, like um, th- those brushes are awesome. Yeah, I use a Wacom or Wacom. I've never known how to pronounce that. So <laughs> I, I prefer Wacom because like I, it's like a whack-a-mole. You know, you're just gonna use that tablet <laughs> to hit some stuff. That sounds good. I like that rationality rationale for that. <laughs> so <laughs> I've gone through several over the past like eight seven or eight years um the one i got i think i got because the one i previously had was stolen out of my car and so um i was actually in a pinch because i had already i was already in the middle of a project where i really really needed it and so but i also just i didn't want to 
like since I was rushing the decision, I just didn't want to buy something super pricey. So I think I got I just was looking on eBay or something. I got one maybe it was probably 150 bucks or something like that. And so that's the one I'm currently using until uh, decide on what to get next. So you, you must live in a really interesting neighborhood that you have uh, people who only steal uh, Wacom tablets out of your car. Like eh, who who cares about this car that's open? I want the Wacom tablet out of here. Well, if you saw the car, you wouldn't ask that question, actually. So. Well, the- and I think at the time, it was the only thing that was in the car. I also, They also stole a little Bluetooth speaker, so oh, okay. I don't know. You know. So they got some jams to go on with their art creation. Well, it was, I think it was like a $8 Bluetooth speaker, so I don't so know. So some crappy jams. So they probably were very disappointed with the haul. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason that we're talking about Kyle's brushes is because they now um, are allowing you to use Photoshop brushes in Photoshop Sketch, which is an app for the iPhone. I I think it's on Android as well. or No, it's just uh, iPhone and iPad, so it hasn't come to Android yet. Um, but Photoshop Sketch is one of the, the apps that you can use, and if you partner it, with an iPad Pro and an iPad uh, Apple Pencil, um, it basically is a Wacom tablet. It is a full tablet that you have that pressure sensitivity and you can get the full use of all of those brushes and they've given you a, a jump start with a like basic catalog of some of Kyle's best brushes, but you can still add more brushes that you've created, or if you've bought a ton of Kyle's brushes, you can um, add all those in there, which I think is pretty awesome. Have you guys used Photoshop Sketch or tried to do any of that stuff, uh, you know, from from the like uh, drawing on a tablet sort of thing? I, not recently. I mean, back in the day, like when their first uh, their first apps, kind of drawing apps came out, I tried it on the iPad, but that was before all the Apple Pencil and all that. So I haven't, since they've updated that, I haven't tried it. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, um, when, I, when it first came out, um, I downloaded it and I tried it out. I think one of the things, the lack of like, I mean, I don't have a I don't have a tablet of any kind, so I was just trying it on my phone. I think at the time it was like a, a iPhone four or something like that, so the performance wasn't great and the screen was pretty small. And um, I think the lack of brushes and brush options, besides you know just kind of expanding or you know softening kind of the standard ones that come with it. I, f- I felt it was pretty limiting. I thought it was a cool idea that just wasn't you know implemented as well as it could be at the time. And so um, uh, that's actually one of the things I really have uh, been impressed with Adobe, even though a lot of the uh, mobile integration is still, I would say, probably in the early stages and has limited uh, usability. I do like the fact that they are you know just really kind of pushing that and exploring different ways that you know, what you can do on different devices can interact with what you would do with the full-fledged software and kind of blurring those lines between them. And so um, when I first saw this, that uh, you could use Photoshop brushes on the app, I thought that was a really great, like, stepping stone into that more robust interaction between them. And so I'm pretty excited in the future to... uh, get into that more and just try it out i'm excited to see where this is going i think it'll be i think it'll be pretty sweet well let's talk about some of the other updates to you know video and uh some of the other things that are coming so um as far as after effects updates go uh 
or no, let's let's stay with Photoshop. So as far as Photoshop updates go, um, the biggest things that I saw, and maybe you guys saw some other things, was uh, uh, Adobe has now added templates to their Adobe stock portfolio, and you can now open up templates inside Photoshop, which are basically Photoshop files that just have a bunch of layers in them. I, I don't really totally get what makes a template different than just a Photoshop file besides the name that it's a template. Um, but they've also added um, SVG text, which allows you to have colors and m basically multiple layers inside of a text file, which opens the door to the biggest update to Photoshop that we've ever seen, emojis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are now being revolutionized, much like the new Mac that you have an emoji touch strip to it. Now Photoshop has emojis. So basically, if you're making a new product and you're out there, if you want to make it great, <laughs> add emojis to it. Yeah, it's a new bird. <laughs> yes. Um, and then the, the last thing that I saw that I thought was interesting is the uh, face aware uh, liquify tool. Um, have you guys seen this or looked at that at all? I looked at it a little bit, um, and I thought it was a, a pretty cool uh, new addition. Um, those kind of things, to me, whenever I watch the demo, you know, it's always, is this actually going to work in, yeah. you know, Like, is that the, the perfect photo, life? or right. does it work with <laughs> no. any photo? Yeah. yeah, but I think it's a, it looked really promising to me from what I've seen. I haven't had a chance to, I haven't had an application to, or a reason to use it yet, but, um... I think, I mean, a lot of their other like content or stuff has actually performed pretty well. I mean, there's lots of times where it fails just miserably, but um, I would say that if you actually use it judiciously, as I always like to say, um, usually you can get pretty good results out of those types of tools. So I'm pretty excited to see uh, how all it works. Yeah, and basically what this face-aware liquify does is it's a liquify tool, but it's, it automatically detects facial features. So it finds eyes, nose, mouth, all of that stuff, and constrains where liquefaction can happen. And mm -hmm. then it gives you sliders of things that you would normally do with a face. So you can say, well... This, because of the angle of this photo, this one eye looks like it's too far to the left or the right, and you can slide it over. Or the big one is it knows where your mouth is, and it's like, well, that smile's good, but I wish it was a little more smiley. Like, they don't look that happy, and you can <laughs> actually make them smile more. Or you can make them be pissed off, and you can make them mad and make them <laughs> frown. Um, so you basically can manipulate. I feel like it, the the biggest group that's going to, um, to utilize this is photographers who are doing <laughs> portraits and family photos. So I think it'll be super helpful to them. Now, moving on to, uh, to video, um, After Effects added um, and updated and improved the GPU uh, renderer, and then they added a new cinema renderer um, through their partnership with Cinema 4D and Maxon um, that uses the CPU. Uh, only for that cinema renderer. Uh, I think the partnership between Maxon is really interesting. It basically shows that our hope, or at least my hope, that they were going to buy Maxon or buy Cinema 4D <laughs> and make it part of the Creative Cloud is not going to happen, but they're just going to keep um, having really close partnerships and say, we really like each other, but we're not going to buy each other. 
Um, Jason, I know that you wrote a blog post a while back that said, here's all of what I wish Adobe would do for After Effects. Did they do any of that? Um, I'm trying to think of what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I'm a, I'm, I'll go there real quick just to glance at what I wrote. Um, even though a lot of the stuff I was, I would like to see definitely didn't happen, I think that uh, their focus on improving performance is definitely a really good thing and something I definitely would not fault them for. And so... Uh, as a whole, I'm I'm happy so far with what I've uh, played, the little I've played around with it. So yeah, I, it's their updates are not you know uh, flashy updates that like make you like you're like wowed by emojis in Photoshop. It's not that kind <laughs> of update. But now, animated emojis in After Effects, I mean, pre-built would, animated emojis. Yeah, if we could get those Facebook animated emojis <laughs> in After Effects, that would be pretty huge. Um, you know, they're not they're not flashy ones, but everyone who seriously uses After Effects, um, it's not, I would say it this way, it's not going to get new people to open up After Effects because of some new feature they added, but everyone who uses it regularly is thankful thankful for what they're doing um, because the performance is such a huge part of it. If you can do a project in an hour instead of three hours because the program responded to you better and you can be more creative and see things more in real time instead of having to wait for things to render, it's only going to make people uh, happy, you know, to have all uh, of yeah. that extra stuff. And I honestly think Adobe took a big... Like when Andrew Kramer and Video Copilot came out with Element 3D, I feel like they blew away this conception that stuff had to be slow. And they said, no, like we can take a cue from the video game industry and use all the power that's on this GPU and mm-hmm. make this program do things that people never thought it could do before. And so I feel like uh, they had to have taken a note from him and that that plug in of what's possible Um in inside after effects so now speaking of 3d um they added a new tool uh called project felix um that allows you to basically any joe blow use random 3d models and composite them into photos joe did you get a chance to take a look at this yeah i did take a look at it it uh gets me um excited (laughs) about that um I sometimes use 3D in my workflow. I, I have a copy of Cinema 4D, but I usually have to uh, watch 10 tutorials every time I open it up. Right. Um, so uh, this kind of sim- sounds like it will simplify some of the some of the things and be able to kind of use it in, you know, as a graphic designer or graphic artist that primarily works in Photoshop would be able to kind of add it to the workflow uh, a lot more easily if they bring it on. Yeah, it seems more like it's built for people who are using, like, uh, I'm using a model inside of another composition as opposed to creating an entire 3D composition. And so, like you said, for those who, you know, just do Photoshop stuff or whatever, I think it'll be pretty sweet. So, um, you know, that's that's another another tool in there. But we got to move on to one of the most so so basically what Adobe's been doing lately is and during the Max conference they always give technology previews that aren't in the new version but they're things that are coming in the future. And so they've been slowly over the past week or so been releasing these segments of new things that are coming. 
And a new thing that is coming is the VOCO tool. Um, and this thing is crazy. Um, it is, it's nuts. Uh, let's take a listen here to part of this VOCO tool. And uh, uh, I kiss my dogs and my wife. Okay. So let's, uh, let's do something here. Okay. So suppose uh, Michael Key wants to send this uh, audio to his wife. So he actually wants his wife to go before the dogs. So, okay. So what do we do? Easily. Copy, paste. Let's do it. Copy, paste. Oh, yeah, it's done. Let's listen to it. And uh, uh, I kiss my wife and my wife. Oops. <laughs> Oops. 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 <laughs> Uh, where are the dogs? <laughs> okay, how can we let the dogs out? Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> that was like the most forced thing I've ever heard. Yeah, in my life. Thank you. <laughs> it's actually easy. We can just type the word dogs here. And uh, uh, I kiss my wife and my dogs. Whoa. So what just happened is this new VOCO tool allows you to analyze uh, audio and it actually shows you the text beneath the audio waveform. So you it analyzes it, throws all the text below it, and then you can reorder what they just showed um, is that you can reorder the text. So you can say, oh, I said this in the wrong order. Let me switch these words around. And it tries to do it in a pretty natural way. And so that's where you could see where like he put wife in two different places and he was actually typing that in. There was no like copying and pasting of waveforms and doing any of that kind of stuff. So he did that, but then what was truly impressive is what happens next. Wait, here's more, here's more. Uh, we can actually type something that's not here. So I, I heard that um, actually that on that day, uh, Michael actually kissed uh, our Jordan. So, sorry. <laughs> to recover the truth, let's do it. So, let's remove the word my here. Your secret's out, Jordan. And uh, we just uh, type the word Jordan. And uh, uh, I kissed Jordan and my dogs. <laughs> <laughs> So, so that one was uh, a little crazy, you know, like, okay, he, he made him say Jordan, but it sounded a little bit fake, but he does more and it gets more impressive as we we're, go. We're not just going to do with words. We can actually type small phrases. So let's say, okay, so we remove those words and we do three times. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and playback. And uh, uh, I kissed Jordan three times. So he just wrote out extra words, Jordan three times, and put it into the person's voice. Um, this is an incredible tool. Now, here's the secret sauce that's going on in the background that they revealed a little bit later is that uh, they ingested about 20 minutes of conversation to be able to do that. So there's actually 20 minutes of speech that got ingested, and then they're able to go in and type different words and make people say whatever they want. Now, I wonder in the church world where we could get 20 to 35 or 40 minutes of somebody talking on a regular basis and then make them say whatever we want. Hmm. Church announcements? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not the pastor. It's church not announcements. <laughs> yep. yep. Exactly. <laughs>
<laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, what do you guys think of this technology? Does this excite you or scare you? Man, this is a little bull for me. I'm, I, I, I'm trying to figure out. Like, this is the first time hearing it. Um, so, in my mind, I'm like, man, we could get anybody to say anything. But at the same time, you could uh, fix a lot of mistakes. You know, especially like if, from a church context, if you know the pastor says something wrong or fumbles in his word, or you know, um, you could fix that in post. Or let's say uh, I don't have a co-host for the podcast. I just go back and I just type in you guys saying, wow, Brad, you're so great. (laughs) And, uh, you know, just all sorts of great responses. And now I have a co-host and I just type it all in. Jason, what about you? What do you think of this? Um, Yeah, I was excited when I first saw it. Like uh, the sermon application of it uh, is actually something I was thinking about Um. At, when I used to work at uh, church, um, sometimes I would have to fill in to do like some sermon editing um, to go up online. And a lot of times what would happen is that uh, something, you know, we, re- we would record like three or four services and, you know, choosing which service to use. Sometimes there would be, you know, something that was said at one service that, you know, maybe wasn't said at another, but they wanted it to because they overall liked that one better. I could see something like this, like... I mean, I don't know how well it would work with, uh, I mean, with the the person actually speaking, but um, for like just an audio, like in the video, that is. How natural it would be. Oh, right. yeah. And if there's video with it. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure someday they'll come up with something that can remove the mouth and stuff like that. But um, I could see it definitely working for like an audio version or something like that. Um one thing that was kind of intriguing to me that I haven't really seen too many people talking about is how it actually seems to give you a pretty good transcript of what was being said. I don't know how well it works for that entire 20 minutes or whatever, but I could see something like that also being really useful because, I mean, right now, automatic transi- transcription software is you know pretty hit or miss a lot of the times. Um, but if this thing could actually like really do good transcriptions, I could see that being a pretty valuable piece of it too um assuming adobe ever you know completely develops it and releases it of course but right because um, we have to remember that this is a sneak peek of something that potentially could never be released yeah um so it, there's it's not like oh in 2018 i'm going to be able to do this that's not not necessarily <laughs> mm-hmm. the case mm-hmm. The thing that, um, so for anybody who's like, well, wait a second, let me, let me think this, let me think this out. So, you know, we've had, a, a, a kind of a crazy week. If you've been on social media, it's not exactly like the happiest place on earth. And there are different <laughs> political leaders that people do and don't like. And imagine if I was able to ingest 20 to 30 minutes of Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton or anyone else, uh, you know, a major, leader of an organization, I could make them say whatever I want. I could make them say they love the other candidate and now all of this craziness would be over. How nice would that be? You know, um, you could do that. Now, for people who are like, well, but that could get really dangerous. Adobe's thought of that and they actually are imprinting watermarks into the waveform so that you can forensically tell whether or not this has been messed with. So um, so they're adding (laughs) some sort of digital footprint or uh, waveform footprint. I'm not sure what it looks like, but if they can figure out how to do that and make it so you can't remove that, 
I think this will be amazing. I think if it's really easy to remove that footprint or if that footprint's not there, I feel like this is way too dangerous, um, especially in the, the culture that we live in where you can throw something, you can start a fake news site and tick off your friends and family with fake news stories on Facebook. Um, this takes it one step further because now there's actual real audio from blah, blah, blah <laughs> saying this, you know, and then they actually listen to it and they're like, wow, I, I mean, that's what I heard. And now John Oliver has like a ton of new material for his show of like, listen to this audio and this audio the world's just crazy and it's like well no dude i i created that in my adobe voco app and you're an idiot you know um so i i think that's where it gets dangerous but i think it's pretty pretty amazing technology that that is coming out well speaking of adobe applications um a brand new awesomely free plugin came out from video copilot andrew kramer that i mentioned earlier um and it's a new toolkit uh plugin that i think is pretty awesome it's called effects uh console and it basically brings the idea of quick search to After Effects and makes your workflow a lot smoother. Um, did you guys get a chance to check this out? I thought it was really cool looking. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I find most useful, it's kind of funny, like we were talking about how like the new After Effects stuff isn't necessarily flashy, but it's useful and helps your workflow. For me, when I'm looking for scripts and plugins and things like that, almost, I would say... 80% of the ones that I love the most don't give you like any flashy effects or anything like that, but rather make your workflow a lot faster or give you quicker access to things or just help you do things that you do all the time in a more efficient way. And so that was when I was looking at uh, this, I haven't actually gotten it yet, but um, I was looking at it and I just thought that would be super, super useful because I mean, I go through the effects menus all the time and I mean, you can add presets and stuff like that, but then you have this this long litany of presets that you have to go through. You know, sometimes you just want to quickly add a curves adjustment or you want to add a blur or, you know, something like that. And I mean, those are things you still have to search for or look through. And so I think, like, being able to assign them to a shortcut key, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, like you can do with this for certain things. Like, if I want to add a curves adjustment, I can just hit one, boom, it's on the uh, adjustment layer or whatever. Uh, something like that is something that I think After Effects has kind of needed for a long time. And I think something like this would be uh, really useful in that, in, to that extent. It's pretty incredible what's going on there. So, um, again, that'll be linked in the show notes. So if you want to check that out, that's a totally free plug-in. That's uh, definitely worth checking out. Uh, the next thing that's new is audio. Now, for a lot of us, uh, we might not do a lot with graphics we might not do uh, after effects or photoshop but a lot of us uh, you know work with bands we might be a, a sound engineer and a lot of times uh, it's really isolating on Sunday mornings and even rehearsal during the week to know how you're doing, to know what it's like at somebody else's rehearsal or to know what it's like at somebody else's church and how they mix and how they do things because you're stuck at your church, you're stuck at your rehearsal, and so you can't really get away to check it out. Now, uh, Andrew Stone from Church on the Move, uh, just recently on their blog, uh, the Seeds blog, just posted a video of him mixing on a Sunday morning. 
Now, there are some really unobtainable parts of this video. He is using one of the most incredibly awesome but expensive uh, audio consoles that you can get, the new Solid, uh, Solid State Logic console. He has amazing musicians on stage. He's got a sweet room. He's got an audio two position that you'll see in the video who's helping do parts of the mix and, and stuff like that. So there are some very unobtainable things. But the cool thing is that you can actually sit and watch. So you can see DB levels, you can see who's on stage and what they're doing, and you can see how he's mixing. And so it's like such a cool thing. Uh, here's a quick clip of, of their mix. Now, the next story that we're going to talk about um, is one that uh, Jason actually wrote, um, and it has an incredibly catchy title that makes you want to read it. And Jason, I'd love for you to you know give us a, a little a little bit about this and, and kind of take us through this. But the title of this article is "A Church Marketing Doesn't Suck," and that's probably a bad thing. So, Jason, what did you? Uh, what was this all about, and what were your thoughts on here? Well, what prompted it was I was reading one of those uh, kind of quarterly Pew research uh, polls that they do sometimes on like religion in America and stuff like that. Um, and what the poll is asking is why for people who uh, are choosing a church and like intentionally looking for a church, what are the things that they're looking for? And um, some of the top things, uh, let me pull it up here real quick just to remember what they were. So, The, yeah. the main okay. options that were given that were randomly available were location, mm -hmm. feeling mm -hmm. welcome by clergy or lay leaders. Who uses those <laughs> terms? But um, <laughs> the quality of religious education for children, having friends or family members who are already going there, the style of worship services, the quality of sermons or preaching, the availability of volunteering and community service opportunities. So those were some of the main ones that were available. And so the first one, which actually initially kind of surprised me, was quality of the sermons. That was 83% uh, of the people said that was like one of the most important things. The, the next one was feeling welcomed at 79%, and then style of services was 74, and then location was 70. And so... Um, I was uh, so like I said I was kind of surprised initially at that first part of it but then I was uh, then as I was, I was as I was thinking through it a little more I began to wonder you know why would that be you know are our sermons you know that great that people are coming to them are you know is that something that we do people really like listening to exactly. half hour yeah. talks period I know <laughs> about I anything like, <laughs> exactly but then as I started to think about it I was thinking about um, even my own experience in working at churches and working with churches and all that kind of stuff. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that sermons and sermon series and everything, you know, kind of revolving around that is one of the most marketed things that churches, I guess, market. And so, you it's know, we send out... It's their biggest product, if you would say a church exactly. has a product, right? Exactly. Yeah, we send out you know, mailers about, hey, come to this sermon series, you know, for Christmas or even, you know, during the year. Or, and I'm not necessarily looking at this, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, because I think quality of sermons is actually a pretty important thing. And so I think, you know, those are all good reasons to uh, go to a church. I'm not saying they're bad reasons, but as I was thinking about it more as like marketing 
is basically, you know, kind of the, you know, at its base level is what an or- is the story that an organization tells about itself. You know, when they're trying to reach their target market, you know, whether they're selling a product or whether they're a church trying to reach their community, you know, the way that they market and however they market is, you know, all about this is who we are. This is what we do. This is how our service product ministry, whatever, you know, can help you, can enhance your life, all this kind of stuff that's wrapped up in the marketing. And so as I was thinking about that, you know, if that's what, if marketing is the story that we're telling about ourselves, then, you know, the reason that people, or at least part of the reason that people are saying these are the important reasons that we go to church is precisely because those are the types of things that we tell people to come to church for. And um, like I said, none of those are bad things in and of themselves, but I was just kind of thinking through and wondering, you know, is that the best, is that the story that we actually want to tell about ourselves? I mean, those are all great things that I think we should be doing, but is that the most important thing that we should communicate about ourselves? When people think, I'm looking for a church, is it, is the reason that they should come to us or come to the church is, is that, should that reason be because the sermons are great, because it has a worship style that I, you know, connect with all these kinds of things. And, you know, those might be good things, but I just noticed within a lot of the responses, a lot of the things that, you know, we might choose a church for, I think could very well happen without any sort of, uh, like, spiritual meaning behind it, or without ever even mentioning God, perhaps. Um, For sure. I sometimes, as I think back through some of my experiences, and I'm not going to universalize my experience by any means, but, you know, sometimes I'll go to different churches and or even churches that I've, I attend regularly. And sometimes I just listen to the things that we say about, you know, the worship experience, as we sometimes like to call it or whatever. You know, we'll say, oh, worship was really good today, or it was really powerful, it was really moving, things like that. Or when the sermon's over, we ask, so what did you think about the sermon? It's like, oh, I thought it was pretty good, or, you know, I liked it. Or, you know, what do you think about the speaker? I thought they did a pretty good job. You know, things like that. And these are the types of things that we innocently just kind of say, and I don't think there's any getting away from saying them, but I think Super it does. Super consumeristic. Exactly. I think it kind of, it, it kind of shines a little bit of a light on, you know, what reason are we actually here? Are we here to actually worship God, which should be the primary function of worship, I, I would think, or are we here to, you know, experience that worship and so that we somehow subsume what worship is supposed to be about to more, maybe kind of sort of, you know, more uh, tickling our own preferences. That's not what I actually wanted to say, but I'll, I'll <laughs> let it go just because, you know, tickling our own preferences sounds fun. Um, and so It'll that's make kind you of, giggle. Yeah. Right. One of the things I mentioned at the end of my blog post is um, I think what can happen and what sometimes maybe does happen, and I'm not, I don't have any particular place in mind or whatever but church marketing in a lot of ways does suck because there's you know this terrible stuff that you see coming out of churches all over the place but in in regards to why people choose to come i think that church marketing has actually been extremely effective because the things that we tell people to come for are the things that they're telling us they're coming for and so i think one of the dangers that can happen with that is that we can actually like start to believe our own marketing and that you know if we're telling people that through our marketing that, you know, the sermons are important, the worship is important, 
all these other things are important, which they are. But if we start to, if we allow our marketing to make those the fundamental reason that we exist, we can actually start to believe that ourselves. And that begins to maybe form our own self-understanding of what we're about. And so, you know, that can, that'll definitely have implications in, you know, what we do with the resources we have. Yeah, it perpetuates all that the kind machine. Of stuff. Exactly. You know, yep. so if you if you look at the the church machine of like it's this entity and we have to keep it going, we have to have Sunday morning so we can get a tithe to make our budget go and then when we get money we have to spend it on X Y and Z and we have to make sure the music's good cuz you have to have music and you have to do teaching and all of those things just perpetuate the machine, but it's like, well, what's what are we actually trying to accomplish here? Are we are we trying to accomplish mm-hmm. sun, Sunday morning or a worship set or a, a talk, you know, like I did the talk and it was the talk and it happened or was there actually a goal outside of that? So I think right. that's I think that's a great a great thought there. Um well speaking of bait and switch, um uh, I wanted to see what you guys had uh, if you guys had any uh, thoughts on this. So um the day of the election, I uh, sit down, I pull up my email and, uh, you know, I'm avoiding social media because I know it's going to be a, a bin <laughs> of disaster. And so I pull up my email and I get an email from a pretty reputable company. And uh, the email title is Your Vote Doesn't Matter. Click here to see why. And I open up the email and it's like, just kidding. Of course your vote matters. Make sure you go out and vote today. Now, this is the ultimate clickbait uh, title that you could have. Uh, Jason, you know, I would actually probably lump your title in uh, into the clickbait category. <laughs> Thank you. Um, uh, so, so sorry about that. But, you know, I'll, That's I'll, okay. th- I'll throw you That's in why- there. That's why I did it. Yeah. So, so what do we what do we think about this, Joe? I'm I'm sure you experience your fair share of clickbaity uh, titles and uh, uh, media on a pretty regular basis, like the le- the rest of us do. Uh, what do you think of this? Uh, do you have any thoughts on like is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Should we stop using it? Does it have its place? I mean, I think it does have its. It's as annoying as it is, and I get mad sometimes. But I. I the other day, I, was, I fall for it, like, every single time. <laughs> um, so I think it has its place, um, you know, but I think where it's one of those things where it gets overused or, you know, it finally just becomes noise and, you know, people are eventually going to stop clicking. Um, so if you just do that bait and switch every single time, I mean, people will, will figure it out. And so that's that's kind of my thought on that. Yeah, and Jason, as somebody you know who has has a blog, has a website, you're writing titles for articles and stuff like that. Do you try to find a balance, or you know, like in in that last article that we talked about, you know, for you was that a pretty obvious? This is like this title makes the most sense to to get across the point of of why this article needs to be read, or you know. I think, like Joe said, I think there's there is a use for it from here and there, or here and there, but it does become annoying pretty quickly. I usually tend to try to use it more as a clever thing, whether it comes off that way or not, rather than. Uh, and I don't do it all the time, definitely. But um, I also, I mean, for this one, I felt like it was, I felt like it actually did make sense for the article because, I mean, and it, it kind of had that paradoxical sense to it which i think right uh which mm-hmm. i think helped and so that was one of the reasons i chose to do it i usually tend to avoid the overt clickbaitiness of it but um i do think that when you you when you have something that uh 
that can use it well. Hopefully it used it well, I don't know. But <laughs> I think uh, it then for sometimes, sure Sweet. Then I think that um, it can work. I think what kind of, at least for me, what makes, I guess, clickbait good or bad is if the content that you go to actually has something to do with what the the thing you're thinking it's going to be is or um, or at least delivers on its promise, I suppose. I think a lot of clickbait is just to get you to go there as opposed to, and then, you know, it's something else altogether. But Totally. I think if you can find have something... Find out which Gilmore yeah. girl you are, yeah. and then you get there and you find yeah. out you're Kylo Ren, and it's like, what yeah. in the world is going on here? Yeah. I will say that clickbait stuff has given me a lot of fodder for my writing, so... Um, I won't poo-poo it too much, so <laughs> just keep it because, co- yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, um, one last article, and Jason, you actually posted this yesterday, and I had totally forgotten about it because it happened. Um, and actually, you know, if you look at the um, the Verge article, uh, GoPro uh, just recently recalled their Karma drone the other night. Now, you may have n- missed this news because it was announced during the middle of the 2016 election. So uh, they either did that purposefully to try hide this, but so GoPro had this huge announcement recently that they finally had made their own drone instead of everybody else throwing their cameras on their drones. They were going to make a drone of their own, and it was a big deal. And everybody starts getting them and using them, and guess what happened? they start falling out of the sky it's not recalled because like oh there's a slight thing that could be a problem they're literally just losing flight uh you know listen to this clip and you can hear what happens (laughs) ouch Yeah, so, I mean, engines are running, and then all of a sudden, they just stop. And this was, I mean, for what I could tell, this was a a few hundred feet in the air above a baseball field. Uh, The video that I just showed, and I will link to it, I'm pretty sure was edited as well, because the drone perfectly falls at the feet of the person who is operating it. Um, (laughs) And it's pretty hilarious, uh, but, um, yeah, it's pretty crazy, so... Yeah, it kind of stinks for GoPro. They go into this new venue for the very first time, and they have a major disaster. Um, and I wonder what this means for the future of their drone. And now that they actually know what DJI did, you know, I wonder if they'll say, let's just wait and make ours better to have better competition. Do either of you guys have drones? No, but after watching these videos, I really want to get one now. Because <laughs> <laughs> you want to have yours I- crash? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got one um back in this past summer, early in the summer. I got the Phantom 4 and uh it's really it's a really sweet machine. Um I took it up. We my wife and I went to Colorado over the summer and we took it up in the mountains and did some stuff with it and it it performed like a champ. So, uh DJI definitely knows what it's doing. I remember when uh I saw I saw all the teasers for the for the new GoPro announcement right before they came out with Karma. And then I watched the key, the <clears throat> excuse me the keynote as they were uh, announcing it, and I was like, "Oh, that is so cool!" And, you know, I also have a DJI Osmo, which is basically like the handheld stabilizer that the Karma has built in. And so I was thinking, "Oh, maybe I'll get a Karma. I can sell my Osmo, and then I'll have them both all in one. It'll be really compact. I can take it everywhere I want to." 
And then DJI came out with the announcement two days later, and I'm like, Karma, what? And so <laughs> exactly, it was. The, yeah, it was like that. And so the Mavic is, uh, I think, definitely in my future. Um, I'm looking forward to trying it out when it's actually available. So <laughs> that's awesome. Well, that's all for what's new. Coming up next, what's useful. of amazing technology and tools like the Uversion Bible app and the live streaming platform. Uh, their worship team just came out with three different like EP length albums um, called Breaking the Silence and they have like Yellow and Cyan and a couple different variations of it. Um, but it's a great new tune. The cool thing about this uh, track is that um, they have all of the resources, the stems, the chord charts, all the multi-track files, all of that stuff available on their open platform. So if you go to uh, open.life.church, you can find all of those resources for free on there for your worship team. So some great new music for you guys to check out. Well, what we want to do always before we head out is to uh, give you some useful tools to pass along uh, to uh, everyone out there. So, Jason, uh, what do you got for us? I have a couple of quick ones. Um, one is, I mean, I don't know if you've ever highlighted this one before. Uh, whenever I am working with any kind of design or video, one of the first things that I try to get uh, just nailed down is my colors. Because, I mean, colors are just so important for every aspect of any designer video because they set the mood, tone, all that kind of stuff. So um, if you are on uh, Creative Cloud, or I think even if you're not, you can do it with an app. Uh, if you go to color.adobe.com, there's a great place to just create color like palettes and stuff like that. And you can it's really simple to use and you can make it by different color rules or just totally custom make it. If you have the app on your phone, which I think is called Adobe Capture. Uh, you can actually take pictures and it'll extract colors from your photos and uh, create color palettes out of those. And so that's super useful if you just need a starting idea. If you want a good predefined color palette, you can also search what other people have made. That's really cool. Um, one other one is just a script from aescripts.com. If you use After Effects, this is a fun one called Flow. It's basically an easy way to uh, adjust uh, animation curves outside of the keyframe editor, which is not always the most fun thing to work with. And uh, if you go there and ch just search for Flow, you'll find it, and you can download a trial of it and just play with it. It's really fun to use. Awesome. What about you, Joe? Uh, yeah, I have um, a couple little quick ones. Uh, one is a little app called Self Control. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I always find myself um, getting distracted really easily by like websites and. Twitter and Facebook and all that. So um, I use little, this little app. It's free for Mac, and it basically locks me out of uh, uh, distracting websites and stuff. And 
um, kind of helps me stay focused on the work that, that I have in hand. Um, so that thing's called, it's called self-control. You can download it for free. Also, my friend Jonathan uh, just recently switched over his site called uh, Mofo dot toe dot or what is it mofo dot toe or m-o-p-h <laughs> mofoto <laughs> yes uh it's m-o-p-h-o dot t-o so if you're looking for another uh free uh photo site um check that out um i also happen to contribute there um and so i've been using that lately for a lot of the social media graphics that i've been producing well, um, I would love to encourage you guys to, uh, you know, go check out those resources from Life Church for that uh, for that track that I said, and they have tons of other stuff on there. So, um, you know, as much as I create content and I share content that I'm creating, I utilize all of these sites that um, create and share content. So, uh, you know, if I'm needing something for for youth or for whatever, so if you haven't been over to Life Church's resource website, Open Resources, um, make sure you do. That. There's tons of great stuff on there. Um, so that's just open.lifechurch.tv. Uh, so we'll uh, end out the show listening to a little bit more of this. But uh, Jason, where can people find more of what you do and uh, check out more of your articles and stuff? Um, my main uh, portfolio, I guess, work website is deviantmonk.com. And then the blog is blog.deviantmonk.com. Awesome. And what about you, Joe? Um, I'm on, uh, my website is joecavazos.com and I'm probably most active on Instagram, which is at joecavazos. Perfect. And you probably can find all of us, um, you know, on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all of those places as well. And make sure to go check out all the great resources that are available at churchmediadrop.com. All of the resources on the website are totally free and they're from other people just like you who work in the local church that are trying to share what they create to help resource the global church. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Brad and that's Jason and Joe and we will talk to you guys later.